There is no guarantee for success, but there are ways to get closer to it when you do the right things. Who you surround yourself with is just as important as what you do. Finding the right people, the right classes, the right activities, and taking the right tests are all decisions that shape your future. Find out more today on Destination University with Dr. Cynthia Colon. Dr. Colon and her guests will give you the tips you need, whether you're a student, parent, or educator. Now, here is your host, Dr. Cynthia Colon. Did you grow up with a landline or do you click on a cell phone? Do you take your vacation photos to get printed or do you simply click to like Insta photos on Facebook? Did you write your grade school report based on knowledge gleaned from encyclopedias or did you click to search Wikipedia? Did you stand in line to deposit checks at the bank or did you click to take a photo of your deposit? Did you spend the weekend going to the mall and grocery store or did you grow up by clicking your choices and having them delivered to your door? My friends, there are only three things we can be certain of in life. Death, taxes, and change. This lesson this week is change is constant. My question is, are we shaped by those around us or those that wish surrounds us? Our special guest today moved 11 times before the age of 20. And what happens when you are in transition all the time? Well, learn poignant lessons from this all-star army brat today turned esteemed educator. I'm Cynthia Colon, author of the book Tips, Tales, and Truths for Teens. Welcome to Destination University, where we explore extraordinary people who lived ordinary childhoods and found a pathway to college for themselves, for others, or went back to college years later. If you are a student, parent of a student, you teach students, or are a student of life, this show is for you. <laughs> well, hello and welcome, Barbara. This is a first for me. We are coming to you live from the West Coast and the East Coast. Barbara, how are you doing today? Doing great, Cynthia. Oh, that's great. How long have the girls been in session at Foxcroft? Uh, the girls have been here for about two and a half weeks, and it has been a very busy two and a half weeks. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm not sure if we talked about this when we met on the phone just a few weeks ago, but uh, I have a soft spot for all girls and women's institutions. I'm not sure if I shared with you. I worked at Barnard College and also Marymount High School, and um, so I spent the better portion of growing up years at Marymount. So uh, I, I'm loving that you're at Foxcroft. What do you think about that? I love it. It's great to be back in this environment. Um, I did my undergraduate at Sweetbriar College, which is a women's college here in Virginia, and then did my master's at UVA. And there is really something quite wonderful about single gender education. Um, and so the experience I had in college at Sweetbriar um, was phenomenal for me. And that was a first. I had gone to um, Fairfax County Public Schools all the way through um, high school. And so um, to be back in this environment is phenomenal. I really, really love it. Oh, good. You know, I went to public school also for high school, and Barnard College was the first experience I had of all single gender institution, and I just felt in absolute love. So um, we should continue talking about that maybe in our last segment. But listeners, I have to tell you, you are in a 
for a treat today. When I met Barbara, which was just not that long ago, I just knew that this woman is filled with so much rich knowledge and tips for the college admission process. I thought you had to hear from her. But honestly, more than that, Barbara has a heart of gold. I hope you will feel just as much as I did how she cares for every single student she encounters. Barbara is currently the director of college counseling at Foxcroft, an all-girls boarding and day school in Northern Virginia. But before joining the team at Foxcroft, Barbara was a college and career specialist at a large public school in Alexandria, Virginia. And before that, she guided adults in planning for their future and helping them achieve their goals. I cannot think of anyone more perfectly aligned with the mission here at Destination University fueling confidence in teens, and building dreams of adults. So really, Barbara, I am honored to have you here. Um, Shall we get started? Are you ready? (laughs) Sounds great. I'm ready to rock and roll. Okay, so um, there are listeners across the country. So for those who've never been to Foxcroft, or even more, those who've never been to Virginia, describe a little bit about Foxcroft. What are you looking out outside of your window today? Okay, sounds great. So as I look outside, um, our boarding school sits on 500 acres of rolling Virginia countryside. I can see horses, pastures, fields, stone walls, and cherry blossoms. It's it's idyllic. It's lovely. Oh, cherry blossom. Wow. And uh, you said a little bit earlier that it's a little bit rainy today. Um, yeah. What's the forecast for the rest of the week? It's going to be pretty wet. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, you know, I I don't mind saying out loud, Barbara, because I, I t- you're my friend now. And uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, a place like Foxcroft or Marymount is not where I grew up, right? It's not where I went to school. We both went to public schools. And I remember feeling um, so, sort of out of place at times. And, um, and I have to tell you that it took me some time when I got to Marymount to really understand that the girls there, you know, no matter what privileged background you come from or not, um, and certainly there is an array of different students that were at Marymount, um, not just those from privileged backgrounds, but all teenagers, would you agree, have the same worries and fears and nervousness around the college admission process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I... I think that the more I do this, and I've spent many years in my career in this work, the more you come to realize that teens are teens and parents are parents and the process is the process. And so being able to meet each individual student right where they are with their questions and their thoughts um, really is the most important part for me, making sure that they understand that I I am going to meet them right where they are and and help them identify options um, so that the path they take gets them to um, a great destination. Right. Absolutely. It was a great lesson for me to learn, um, you know, really before the age of 30 that that really all teenagers have that same worry. And the parents, too. Let's not get started on the parents. They have a a lot of worries as well. So, okay. well, this time is all about you. And I um, just love some of the stories that you're going to get to share with our listeners. But why don't you start, Barbara, by sharing with our listeners a bit about your childhood, sort of set the scene. What was it like growing up? Describe your family, extended family. And what were you like as, as a child? 
Sure. So um, I'm the oldest of three children. My father was a career army officer, and we moved a lot. <laughs> I lived all over the world. I lived everywhere from Fort Campbell, Kentucky, which is where I was born, um, to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, to Paris, France for three years, back to Virginia. And once my father was um, assigned at the Pentagon, he kept getting reassigned. So there was a point where we actually lived in one place for six years in a row, which was incredible. I've never had that experience in my life. Um, And so um, I think I was probably in some ways a fairly typical kid um, for the suburbs, which was, you know, we would come home from school, we would grab a snack, maybe change clothes, and then head outside and we would play outside for four or five or six hours, go hang out with our friends. We listened to a lot of music. Um, You know, we would just hang out and and just be typical teens. Um, And so really the growing up um, was an important piece of things. And I think because of that, the fact that I did this in lots of different geographies, that Mm. really set me up for some great life lessons and world knowledge and a a real global appreciation for individual um, perspectives, which I, which I bring to the work that I do with students. What are some of the cities that you lived in when you were growing up? So again, I was born in Fort Campbell. Uh We moved to Paris, France when I was pretty small, back to Fort Monmouth, which is in New Jersey, up to Massachusetts. We stayed there for about a year, down to Eglin Air Force Base, which is in Florida, um, over to Fort Leavenworth, down to New Orleans, to Virginia, and then Pennsylvania, where Carlisle Barracks is, um, and then back to Virginia. So, you know, a, a pretty reasonable life uh, punch card if you're an army brat. <laughs> <laughs> I love that army brat. Lessons from an army rat. Um, okay, so that takes us up to you know, um, I'm not sure what uh, which city or how many times you moved when you were in high school. But tell us about your journey in high school. Now we're in high school. What was your journey to to college? Who helped you? Who encouraged you? Tell us about that path. Sure. So I really have always felt incredibly grateful to be an army brat. And I know this sounds crazy to keep saying that, except it absolutely informs everything about the way you encounter the world. So for my four high school years, I was actually in one high school. I had a lot of friends who had been in four different high schools as high school students because they they kept being transferred around. I was very fortunate to be in one high school for all four years. So when we, um, being, being in the army, growing up that way, I met people with different perspectives, beliefs, experiences, and this shaped me even in my high school years into somebody who really valued and appreciated meeting people from different backgrounds. I love listening to perspectives and ideas, and really helping them figure out, you know, kind of where they want to where they want to take their lives. I've always been fascinated by that. During my high school years, I had tremendous support from my family. My father was a first generation college student. He had to work. He was a member of his university's ROTC program, and he participated in co-op programs to pay his way through college. Um, My mother attended one year of college and then left school to get married, which was fairly common practice at that time. Um, My parents have three kids, as I said. I'm the lucky um, (laughs) older sister to two younger brothers. Um, And this is what I, I always come back to at heart. Each of us 
graduated from college, and each of us went on to earn a master's degree. That is what I call the transformative power of education. Within one generation, everyone in my generation has a master's degree. My father was first gen, and my mother didn't finish her college degree. That's what college can do in a family. And if you put extend that out to your siblings, your cousins, your neighbors, people, once they see that it can be done, really, really, there's a lot, there's a lot of power in that move of making families college going families. When I was in, in high school, I will also share with you that my relationship with my guidance counselor literally was 30 seconds long. This was back in the day <laughs> wow. when you only went to the counselor if you were in trouble and they called my name on the, on the loudspeaker, and I was embarrassed, and I thought, my goodness, what, what's gone wrong that I have to go see this person? And this was, you know, 30, whatever, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. So I went to the, to the guidance counselor's office, and he said, are you going to college? And I said, yes. And he said, oh, I didn't know if I had to write a letter about you. Okay, go back to class. Literally, that was my entire relationship with my school counselor back then. So I knew wow. it could be done better, right? <laughs> well, okay. So I always say this in each show, and that is, and I forget every time to say it at the beginning, listeners, get out a piece of paper and pen. There are always golden nuggets, and the, and the, the guests have been amazing. And there, I mean, Barbara just, I don't I think she just dropped about three or four bombs uh, in what she just said. So let's just go back to a couple of these gems here. First of all, you said your father was first generation to college and he worked and he went, he used co-op programs to pay his way through college. And your mom only went to college for one year and then got married, which is, which was pretty normal um, for, for women to do. And, you know, some went to college, some didn't, some only went for a bit. But here's my my favorite piece. <laughs> my favorite piece is this 30 seconds uh, relationship with your college counselor, right? Because that just, that's like not acceptable to these days, right? And here's the wonderful, wonderful nugget. If you haven't written this down, she said the word transformative education, everyone. In her family, her father did go to college, and then they had three children, and every, all three of them went to college, graduated, and then got a master's degree. That is transformative, the, the power of transformation in a family and really lifting up. And when people have role models in front of them, when it's done before you, it gets easier with each generation. So, okay, that's fabulous. Oh, my goodness. All right, so... The counselor says to you, are you applying to college? And you say, yes. And he says, great. I'll write a letter for you. Go back to class. That's it. Right? <laughs> right. And you can imagine, he doesn't know me. And so what is his letter going to be? It's going to repeat my transcript. He, he, he literally knew nothing about me. That was the entire relationship right there. So, you know, it, things are different now, you would hope. And, and, and for, most, for most students, they have a different experience. But some of our colleagues in California are in schools that are large that don't have very many counselors. And so, you know, they're, they're going to do the very best they can for large, large caseloads. Um, so, you know, not, there's, there's been progress in so many ways. There um, has been, yes. You know, which, is, which is great. Um, we just have to keep pushing for that because it's important. It's an important relationship. 
Now, where, how many colleges did you, uh, were you going to be applying to that year as a senior? So um, I, we, had, uh, we had our family residency in Florida. When you're in the military, you have to pick one of the states you've lived in. So we, we had Florida as our state's residence. We had been down at Eglin Air Force Base for a while. Um, but my family's from Massachusetts. My, my whole extended family's all there. So I had chosen very large, mostly public schools, all public schools, in Massachusetts and Florida. And those were the places I was going to apply to. Um, I knew I wanted big. I knew I wanted outside of Virginia because I'd already lived there for four years or six years at that point, which was a long time for me to live in one place. Um, and I wanted I wanted to be in a big co-ed kind of a, of a wonderful place. And I was very fortunate. My, my mother was able to take me to see the colleges. Um, mm-hmm. Not everyone got to tour colleges back in that time, but I got to see schools down in Florida and um, schools up in Boston and loved them, absolutely fell in love with them and started to do my applications, which were of course on paper, paper and, <laughs> and on the dining room table, I had a, a file folder with each different application form, um, the application, I had, you know, every, the parts for it. And every night my rule was I would make a little bit of progress on each physical application. Um, and so that's oh, kind I like of that. how that started. And I ended up um, at Sweetbriar in a very strange set of circumstances. Um, but okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause you there because we'll continue the story. We're going to have to take a break in a second. But um, I want people to write down that nugget she just said. You didn't catch it. She planned out and plotted doing just a little bit of progress on each application each night. So don't, you know, see this as a huge, overwhelming task. If you take it apart and break it into pieces, you can do, you can do this. I promise you, anyone can do this. Okay. My friends, um, you're going to need paper and pen because, you know, we've already like, she's dropped like five bombs already. Um, She's going to share her formula today of the five first choice college approach. You don't want to miss this. Grab your beverage of choice. I've got my water and green tea here. Get cozy. We need to take a commercial break, but stay with us. We will be right back. Are you ready to become the applicant every college wants to admit? Would you like to become the adult that models success? Then join the thousands of students, parents, and educators who have found the perfect solution. Dr. Cynthia Colon, author of Tips, Tales, and Truths for Teens, offers motivational and empowering workshops and keynote addresses for your school or organization. She fuels confidence in students on their road to university life. Cynthia coaches parents, educators, and professionals to model a success mindset for students. Go to DrCynthiaColon.com to book her to speak, receive a free consultation, or have her as your personal coach. That's D-R-Cynthia-C-O-L-O-N. DrCynthiaColon.com. Visit the site today. tuned into Destination University. If you have a question about the program for Dr. Cynthia Cologne, please send an email to destinationuniversity at gmail.com. That's destinationuniversity with a Y-O-U at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Cynthia Colon here with Barbara Connor, Director of College Counseling at the Foxcroft School, an all-girls boarding and day school in Northern Virginia. 
And uh, welcome, listeners. We are in for a treat with Barbara. She's just full of golden nuggets, so have your paper and pen ready. Um, before we went to commercial break, uh, Barbara was telling us a little bit about her senior year, and I loved the, the little note that you said that your college counselor relationship was 30 seconds long when he asked you if you were applying to college or not, and then said, okay, well, great. I'll have to write a letter of recommendation for you, and that was pretty much it. So if you missed part of the last segment, uh, Barbara applied to a number of colleges, and we left off by you, you were saying, you were starting to tell us how you chose the school that you chose. So what factors, what happened once you, once you got admitted? So that, you know, first of April comes around. So walk us through what happens next. Sure. So um, I had visited schools down in Florida and up in Boston. These were large publics where there was a lot going on. They were co-ed, so there was a lot of energy. Um, and I knew that I could be very excited and happy to be in any of those places. Um, and I think I had applications out at um, one, two, three schools in Florida and probably one, two schools in, in Massachusetts. So I, I applied to six schools. Um, okay. and, I, and I was pretty sure I was headed in one of those directions. And then one day, um, my father came home. He was stationed at the Pentagon. And he came home one day and he said, I was talking with one of the joint chiefs and his daughter is at Sweetbriar College. Her experience sounds really interesting to you. And I said, Sweet Briar? I've never even heard of that school. <laughs> and he said, well, you know how you want to study economics. She wants to, she's studying economics. You know how you want to do study abroad? I said, yes. And he said, well, she's studying abroad in France right now. And he was describing an experience that sounded like a great match for me. Uh-huh. But it was in Virginia, and I was ready to get out of Virginia. It was co-ed. I'm sorry, it was single gender, and everything I was looking at was was um, co-ed. And it was relatively small, and everything I had looked at at that point was really large. So I said, you know, basically just to humor my father, who I adored, you know, to, just to be able to say, oh, sure, I'll, I'll look into it. So at the, back in that day, we didn't have computers, of course. So I had to call the admission office and ask them to mail me their catalog, <laughs> which they did. So about a week later, it arrived. And the next day, I got a call on the phone from the admission director at Sweetbriar who said, we have a bus trip. Uh, the bus is going to pick students up at National Airport. Would you like to come down and spend a day with us next Wednesday? And I asked my dad and mom, and they both said I could miss the day of school at the high school. So I said, okay. So we drove down on this bus, 50 young women from Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. Um, we arrive on the campus, and it, it had been, as you would imagine, 50 teenage young women. It had been a very loud bus trip, lots of yelling <laughs> and talking and sharing of stories and getting to know each other. And the bus pulls into the campus, and then all of a sudden, it is dead quiet. Everybody is just mesmerized with how stunningly beautiful this campus is. And as we pull in, you know, we're glancing around. It pulls into the quad and pulls up by these, you know, Christopher Wren, gorgeous architects buildings. We pull into the quad and someone comes up to the bus door as the bus door opens. And this woman greets every single one of us who steps off the bus by name and gives us a (gasps) 
personalized schedule for the day. And as I stepped down off of the bus, she said, oh, you're Barbara Tregakis. You're interested in studying economics. We've got you scheduled for Reuben Miller's economics class. Then you're going to go sit in on Ken Grimm's government class. After that, we've got you with lunch over here. And we've paired you with this um, older student from Sweetbriar who's going to be with you today to give you a tour. And I thought to myself, this is stunningly different than the cattle call of large tours of 50 and 60 students that we had been on when we'd been at the large publics, which were phenomenal. I loved those tours. I loved those campuses. But I didn't quite feel that personal touch as much as I did. Um, and she literally had my name typed onto the schedule. It was personalized for me. And it made me feel very um, listened to and very, um, very important in my own college process. And so that, that was a very pivotal moment for me because I thought to myself, I didn't even, I hadn't even heard of this school three or four weeks ago. And now I'm looking around saying, is this a place I could make my own college for four years? And the more, as the hours passed and I sat in on the classes, I didn't sit in the back, by the way. Um, I tried to. I did. I went into these classes and sat in the back row. And each of the professors said, oh, no, no, come on down. You're, you're joining my class today. They really, really brought me right into the experience. And I think in some ways, Many of the small liberal arts colleges have that ability to really help you understand what this experience can be for you on a day like that. So, well, uh, okay. So, I want to, this is so great. What you have just outlined really um, is the, the personalization and that touch. And we started this, this, uh, this episode talking about, um, you know, did you grow up with a landline or do, do you uh, click on a cell phone or do you click on, you know, do you print out photos, et cetera. And I think what students need to hear today and parents too, is that you just can't get the complete feel of a school by clicking on the internet and taking the tour, you really, if you can, if you at all can get to a location and go visit or take when they, you know, offer um, options of taking a bus ride or flying, flying you out to go actually tangibly, physically see it. The question today is, you know, yes, the lesson is to change is constant, but the question is, are we, are we influenced based on those around us or that which surrounds us? So who is around you and what is around you? And Barbara, you said that you got off and you just saw these, um, this amazing architecture. That's what, that's what you were going to be surrounded by for four years. And then to put that connection with people that were going to uplift you and support you and encourage you, that had to be really, really powerful for you to, to see that in action and think, wow, this is a place I want to be. So that's awesome. That's it, really awesome. Was. it really was. And it, and it helped make, um, what was at that point, a, a challenging decision. It helped make that decision much, much easier. Um, because I got home that night and my, my father and mother sat at the dining room table with me and they said, so how was your day? And I said, you know, how when you're little and you don't know really what college is, but you just get this idea in your head, I said, in visiting all of the campuses we had visited, I was visiting on their terms, right? And I was seeing their campuses. I said, today when I went to Sweetbriar, the college that was in my head when I was growing up, that experience is what I actually experienced today. Mm. And 
so it, that, that, again, it was, it was a very different college choice than I thought I was going to make. I think for me, as I work with students these days, what I try to do is I try to talk to them about the experience, not the name. Right? We can get very caught up in the rankings. We can get very caught up in brand name schools and, and all of those things. And I think at the end of the day, the experience that you have in your undergraduate years is either going to help you grow into the adult you're going to be, or it's just going to be a place for you to hang out for four years. And when it's a great and tremendous fit, that match makes all the difference, right? Um, and and during my years there, and I and I wanted to, to come back and and, yeah. and kind of just circle back a little bit. My parents were unbelievably supportive. This was a very different idea for us, right? I wasn't. I had really looked at public universities because, um, you know, while while we could we could afford college. Um, we certainly didn't have extra money for a lot of those kinds of things. And so um, I had always thought if you looked at um, a private school that it was going to be significantly more costly. And I think what I learned through that experience was that it was more expensive, but very often those private or independent schools often have money to offer in scholarships. And, and that was the case. So I was able to, to get a scholarship for that covered part of my cost. Um, I took out student loans um, and, and my parents paid for the, the bulk of that. But, you know, this was a this was a time when um, I had to be able to be flexible and fluid and be willing to change. You talk about everything constantly changing. I had to change my idea before I could allow myself to think what a great fit Sweetbriar would be for me. I had mm-hmm. to acknowledge that I had really only been looking at the public universities because I thought that that's what we could afford. When we mm-hmm. sat down that night at the dinner table, both of my parents said, if this is the right school, if this is a great fit for you, we're going to figure this out because each of us, the parents, had had such a different experience as they were growing up. Mm-hmm. They to make sure that the three of us as the kids really could open up some options that maybe had not been available to them. And again, we talked about earlier, the transformative power of education and what that allows you to do in your own life and then for those around you. It's, it's just a, a critical piece of all of that. I love that. Now, I'm going to... Um... I want you to tell that tale that you told um, told me about that student that you helped. So I'm going to um, get our listeners caught up. So uh, Barbara goes on and she goes to Sweetbriar, graduates. She had a work-study job uh, and career planning, and she did a number of other things, um, director of staff development, marketing, parent liaison, and she kept sort of growing and helping. You know, she was in a helping role almost always in every job that she had. So she also, before being at Foxcroft, she was at a public school in Alexandria, as I said before. And so she's been doing this for a long time and has a lot of experience in just helping people and shepherding them to through this process. So Barbara, share that story. Um, uh, the ta- Your favorite student that, that you reached out to community-based organizations and tell that story of that, that student that was just so beautiful. So um, working with all of our students, every, every individual student is a tremendous experience and it's a real honor to get to work with them to help each girl or each student, depending on what kind of school you're in, but to help each student understand how she learns best, 
what her goals are, and then helping her identify those best paths that can help her navigate her college process. So in working with first-gen students, again, probably because my father was first-gen, um, and um, it just makes a big difference once you once you understand that power within education. So I, I find that working with first-gen students is particularly rewarding because you're helping them see something that doesn't yet exist. Um, I worked with one particular student who came to our school through a partnership we have with a community-based organization. Um, starting in her sophomore year, I started to realize that um, if this was going to work, if college was going to be a realistic goal for her, then I needed to bring in a lot of supporters. I needed to get a lot of people on board because we all had to want the same goal if this was going to work. So starting in her sophomore year, I identified about two dozen colleges, which I thought could be great academic and social fits for her. Then working with admission directors, financial aid officers, athletic coaches, over the course of those next 18 months, I honed that list down to the schools that certainly could meet demonstrated need because those are schools that do that and or schools where I had enough relationship with them that I know the kinds of institutional scholarships they tend to give could be great fits for this particular student. Um, and what I would say is over the course of that time, um, although I had a very specific goal in mind, which was um, to help her have choices that were going to actually work for her financial level of need and to meet her right where she was academically, um, I had that goal in mind, but even having said that, anytime you're working with first-generation families, that road isn't always smooth. And I think I shared that with her at the beginning. I said to her, what we're doing is at times going to feel frustrating, mm -hmm. hard, sad, scary. I told her that at the very beginning, and I said, we're going to hit speed bumps but I'm gonna help you navigate getting over every speed bump that comes our way over these next couple of years. And the reason I told her at the beginning to anticipate the speed bumps, know that there will be times when you'll feel scared about this idea, is because I wanted her to understand those are the regular normal feelings that you have when you're first gen, you haven't been there. You don't know what it's going to look like or how much time it might take to do a particular part of the process or what something is called. You think that there are other people around you who already know all of that and you feel like you're just playing catch up all the time. So the road is not always smooth. There will be bumps. I promise you speed bumps. I promise them. But guess what? Some of these are structural. Some of them are emotional. You have the tools to go ahead and be persisting, have determination, use the people around you who want the same goals for you, and then you are going to be able to navigate this path. Um, and it's worth it is the is the bottom line. And, and my joy, my real joy, is that this student is now a college student. She is working hard to be a great role model for her siblings. She is showing them it can be done and I could not be more proud of her. Oh my goodness. I think you just, I, you made me a little teary and I, and I hope that my mom uh, listens to this episode because what a great thing to say out loud, Barbara. 
Um, and if you're an educator listening to this, if you're a parent, um, what a great thing. So that's a golden nugget. Like there were another four bombs that she just dropped again. I can't keep up with all of your golden nuggets, Barbara. So at the beginning, if you are working with first generation students, tell them at sit, just say out loud, they're going to be uh, speed bumps. I love what you said. There are going to be times when you feel frustrated, sad. It feels scary, overwhelming. So I can guarantee the speed bumps, but I'm not sure if you said it this way, but it sounded to me like you were basically saying, I can guarantee speed bumps, but I can also guarantee that I'm going to go over them with you. Yes. And that is really, really beautiful. That's my favorite, favorite story uh, that you shared. And from everyone, around the country who's a first generation to, um, to college student, Barbara, I want to say thank you for all you do. It's really, really amazing. So see, <laughs> I hope you can see why I chose to, to interview Barbara because she's just filled with so much love, not just knowledge, but just love and the pure care that she has. So we do have to take a commercial break, unfortunately, but we're going to be right back. You're here with um, our honored and uh, our army brat, and you're learning lots of lessons for this esteemed army brat. So uh, grab your pen and paper if you don't already have it, and we need to take a commercial break, but we will be right back. Are you ready to become the applicant every college wants to admit? Would you like to become the adult that models success? Then join the thousands of students, parents, and educators who have found the perfect solution. Dr. Cynthia Colon, author of Tips, Tales, and Truths for Teens, offers motivational and empowering workshops and keynote addresses for your school or organization. She fuels confidence in students on their road to university life. Cynthia coaches parents, educators, and professionals to model a success mindset for students. Go to DrCynthiaColon.com to book her to speak, receive a free consultation, or have her as your personal coach. That's D-R-Cynthia-C-O-L-O-N. DrCynthiaColon.com. Visit the site today. tuned into Destination University. If you have a question about the program for Dr. Cynthia Colon, please send an email to destinationuniversity at gmail.com. That's destinationuniversity with a Y-O-U at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Destination University. I'm your host, Dr. Cynthia Colon, and I'm here with Barbara Connor, Director of College Counseling at the Foxcroft School in Virginia. And, oh my goodness, um, we are having so much fun. Thank you so much for being with us. You've got so many golden nuggets. I can't keep up. But we um, are in the really great piece here. So uh, get your piece of paper and pen ready because Barbara's going to share some really wonderful stuff in this last segment here. So Barbara, um, with all of your years ex- of experience, really tell us the one truth that you want every one of our audience members across the country. What do you want them to know? In life, the only constant is change. And college admission is no different than that, right? Every year, there are changes in college testing policies, changes in application deadlines, changes in application requirements, or even the applications themselves. Um, There are ever-shrinking admission statistics for the highly selective colleges every year. 
And it's really easy to get caught up in the hype about rankings and college stress and brand name colleges and the changes that are coming. And so the hedge against all of this change and uncertainty really lies in one fundamental truth. And for me, that is to keep the student at the heart of the process. Helping students research college destinations, which provide the types of academic and social and leadership research experiences that will enrich her life, all of those things are important. And so it's critical that we remind students that college is not the goal. Life is the goal. College Yay. is just the next chapter of someone's life. So keeping this in perspective, along with the five first choice colleges approach, which I developed, really helps improve admission outcomes and reduce stress. I, I love this. And um, the, so I want you to really explain, you you just said you developed this approach. Yes. And, um, and so I want you to be able to walk us through what that means, what that looks like, because um, this is a good uh, tool for lots of people to use. Okay. So I've been doing this work for a long time. And probably about eight or 10 years ago, I noticed that students were becoming incredibly enamored of the REACH school. And this was when we used the model that was to have a REACH school on your list, to have some in your zone or match schools that were right where you were, and then also to have a couple of safety schools. So when you think about REACH zone safety, that's a model that worked 30 years ago because college admission was different 30 years ago. So when students try to use that outdated approach, approach in today's selective admission um, environment, they in, are incredibly frustrated because they're, they're running into um, you know, different situations than maybe existed when the reach and match and safety model really worked pretty well. So what I was finding was students wanted to spend about 90% of their time doing research on their reach school. They were <laughs> excited about that school. Their shoulders would lift and their voice would get lighter and they would become incredibly animated when they got to talk about how amazing this REACH school was. And what they weren't doing was actually spending reasonable time on the schools that were actually likeliest to admit them, right? right? And this is not in any way to say that we shouldn't have students stretch and dream and have these fabulous ideas because we should. At the same time, when you're into single digit admission statistics for schools, that's a lottery ticket. I'm not gonna have one of my students place her future in the fact that maybe she'll get one chance out of 34,000 or 120,000 <laughs> applications. I mean, it's just, it's just not reasonable. So what I say to students is, you can apply to any schools you want to, and you can have as many schools on your list. My goal will be that your list is between five and eight schools long, deep. Um, but I want at least five of the schools on your apply list to be what I call five of these first choice colleges. So in order to be considered one of these five first choice colleges, here, here's how the rundown goes. Okay. Number one, you need to understand your academic profile. The academic profile is the combination of the rigor of the coursework that you have had in high school, your cumulative grade point average, and your test scores 
from the ACT, SAT, TOEFL, if you're international, et cetera. I say cumulative grade point average because it's important to know the type of student you are. It's also important for students to understand that when college admission people read their transcript and they read them quickly and they read them just like a book, they're not just looking at that one cumulative number. They're also gonna look at that discipline by discipline. So they're gonna look and see how was your math progression? What kind of coursework did you take? What kind of grades did you get in math? Okay, what did, how did he do or how did she do in English? They're gonna do that same thing. So they're reading your academic profile. Not only will the colleges read those, but a big percentage, a big factor in whether or not you get admitted is right there in that academic profile. Remember, college is an academic proposition. They want to know that you are going to be able to handle their level of work and you're and you're going to be able to keep up and you're going to be able to grow um, and continue to develop in those academics. So you having, as a student, you having a very good grasp of exactly that student that you are is critical and is really at the heart of this whole process. Okay. Number two? Number two, you want to research the factors that can make that college experience a good match for you. For some students, they really, if they've never traveled and they'd like to, they love the idea of getting to do study abroad. So sometimes they're looking at schools that offer that. For others, maybe getting to do undergraduate research and getting to be in in a lab setting with college professors is really something that they're excited about. And getting to do that research, maybe even getting published before they finish their undergraduate years. There are lots of colleges in the states that offer undergraduate research. Um, If somebody is particularly interested in internships or co-ops, they may be looking for schools that have particularly um, uh, terrific uh, locations that offer lots of those kinds of opportunities. Um, If finances are an issue and you're planning to live at home and commute, you may be looking for a school that's close to home. For other students, they may be looking for a little bit of distance there. Um, And then there are a number of schools that meet full demonstrated need. And so again, if those are the kinds of schools that you're going to want to look at, we need to pay attention to where that is. Speaking of money, the third factor that the student and the family need to look at are the financial realities, right? The money's Mm -hmm. not just going to fall from the sky. So looking at federal grants, student loans, and work study, looking at scholarships that are available either from the community and the area. Sometimes colleges have institutional scholarship money that they can offer. Um, The fourth one um, is that your current admitted profile, like your your admission profile, your academic profile, needs to be in the typically admitted applicant pool. And what I mean by that is the mid 50% of the most recent admitted class. And this is information that you can find on the NCES um, website. That's the National Center for Education Statistics website. So if you know what your scores are for SAT or ACT, you can see where my scores, scores that students who are currently admitted have just, have they received those types of scores in that mid 50%, is that who they're looking for? Um, and, and so again, if your scores are within that range, or even better, if you're in the top 25%, you're increasing the chances that you may be an attractive student for them to admit. The fifth and final factor is the most important. The student needs to want to attend that school. I can't tell you how many times in my career I've heard a student say, well, I'm gonna to apply to this school because I think I can get in, but I'd never wanna go there. This is the <laughs> biggest waste of time, and quite honestly, students who are seniors in 
high school these days don't have one extra minute to waste on something. So what I say to them is there are thousands of colleges in the United States. You are going to be able to find many, many, many of these campuses where you could be academically successful and very happy. And so I don't want you to spend time applying to schools that you are not interested in. You just don't have that kind of time. Um, I would also ask you this. How excited would you be to go to your prom with your safety date? <laughs> That's good. No, that sounds like a terrible way to spend time, right? So I don't. I want you to find schools, five of them at least for your apply list, where all those factors are in place. You are the kind of kid they're looking for. They have the kinds of programs that you're looking for. And we know that those are places where you could be academically and socially very, very happy and the financial piece. So again, if it's got those factors, that's great. And once those things are in place, that can be one of your five first choice colleges. And you're searching for five of those to help improve outcomes and reduce your stress in the college process. Oh my gosh. I love what you just said. So I like to end, um, the, you know, the segment with always giving, um, our listeners practical advice. What can they take away from this? And so I, I do like to end with, um, or, or give them five tips. So you just gave this, this, uh, roadmap here. So, uh, to recap everyone, if you didn't catch it all, I'm going to just recap it. The five first choice college approach that was formulated by Barbara Connor, um, Number one, academic profile, which includes your rigor, your GPA, your test scores, rigor of your curriculum. Number two, good match, evidence of a good match. Do your homework, find schools you want to actually um, go to and have what you're looking for. Number three, check out the financials. Parents, be very transparent with your kids about what you can do for them and what they'll need to do for themselves. Number four, your um, your numbers, your, you should be sort of typically in the admitted range. So be mindful of that. And number five, you should want to attend the school. Uh, I used to say to students, okay, if I just blocked out, you know, uh, the 12 on your list, if I just said, okay, you're only going to get into this one school, and I, you know, I went down less each school, would you be okay? Would you be okay? And you're right. Seniors, seniors do not have a minute to waste. I love what you said. They don't have a minute to waste. So why are you wasting time on a college you'd never go to? So. Um, uh, teenagers, uh, you don't want to go to prom with your safety date, nor do you want to go to college on your safety school. So, or safety meaning you don't want to go there. Oh my goodness. Ah, so much, so much. Thank you so much for all those little takeaways. Um, I wish we could spend another hour with you, but here's the thing, my friends, you, everyone who's listening across the country, we've given you some tips and some tales, but here is the real truth. Yes, the only constant in life is death, taxes, and change. But do note this little fact. We are living and breathing. We are a living, breathing version of who we surround ourselves with and that which surrounds us. Choose your team of supporters, your cheerleaders, your believers wisely. And take a look around you. Learn from the environment, the culture, and the beauty of every place you encounter. Barbara was fortunate enough to live in 11 different places before the age of 20. And I dare say she's lived in many more since then. She takes something from every place she encounters. That which surrounds her. 
She had to adapt, make new friends, begin again and again, but she embraced this change as a gift and she grew and she evolved and she matured. My hope for you today is that you too see change as a gift and that you are in luck because today change is only one click away. Okay, uh, Barbara, next week we're going to be talking to Dr. Angel Perez from the Vice President at Trinity College. Have you ever visited Trinity? I have, and Angel's amazing. Wait, you're going to love this conversation. He's awesome. I can't wait to have him on. So that's next week. And Barbara, will you quickly tell our listeners how they could get a hold of you if they wanted to reach out and ask you a question? Sure, that'd be great. Feel free to check Foxcroft's website. It's www.foxcroft.com. Dot org and um, the college counseling link is is right there um, and we would love to uh, hear any questions or, or thoughts that you have on the program it has been a real joy and an honor to get to be part of this experience this year so thank you for having me thank you so much absolutely listeners thank you for joining me today you are my family if this episode has in any way fueled your confidence and helped build your dreams or the teens around you, please share this episode with three people in the next 30 minutes. For additional free resources or free consultation or to register for my college essay camps, you can learn more by going to drcynthiacolon.com and you can send me an email from there. If you have a question or a topic you'd like to recommend for this show, Destination University, you can email me at destinationuniversity that's youniversity at gmail.com educators and adults if you're looking to earn extra income or to save for college tuition or take a bucket list vacation please contact me and let's chat that is all for today my dreamers I'm Cynthia Colon remember please share this episode with three people I will see you next Wednesday at noon Pacific for another episode of Destination University until then wherever you are may you have a happy and sunny day Thank you so much for listening this week to Destination University. Be sure to join Dr. Cynthia Colon again next Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and get one step closer to your success.